Mime is a Pokemon that got named in English before the gender factor took effect. And its Japanese name is gender neutral, so it wasn't a big deal. But in English, suddenly Gen 2 comes around and your Mr. Mime can be a Mrs. And I think on this podcast way back in the day, I made a joke about whether or not you could call it Mrs. Mime or Ms. Mime or Fräulein Mime. And I don't know why that joke popped back in my head, but a few days ago I had the weirdest, weirdest dream where I was living in kind of like a Dick Tracy sort of film noir sort of scenario, and there were Pokemon and also Jedi, and like at one point someone opened the door and was like, Fräulein Mime, we'll see you now, and it was just all very bizarre. I wish I could remember more of it, because that was probably a winning fanfic right there. But hello, you are listening to Peak Appy Podcast, where we apparently eat, sleep, and dream the Pokemon anime. Or maybe just eat too much ice cream before bed. What we do on this show is go through each episode of the Pokemon uh, anime in order as best we can, and we are currently in advanced generation. About to rematch at Brawly's gym. Although sometimes I do go out of order on purpose. Right now, pledging a dollar a month on my Patreon feed, you can get special episodes. One of them is me jumping into the future to cover Sun and Moon number 42, soon to be followed by Sun and Moon 43, and if you've forgotten, that is the episode in which uh, the Alola crew goes all the way to Kanto for a field trip. We get to hang out with Brock and Misty again. And that was real fun to do. It was kind of a different experience to do it out of context. I'm sure when I finally cover it in the main series, it's going to be completely different because I'll have a totally different angle that I'm approaching the characters from. But I had a good time. And that episode is also a bit special because I covered it using the Japanese language track and using the Japanese character and place names. And if the response was good, I might do that more often as a way to revisit some older episodes that, you know, over time, maybe maybe it's time to go back and look at them again or to jump into the future and cover something that I just cannot wait years upon years to talk about. So head on over to my Patreon and check that out. It is patreon.com slash professional dork. And I'll have links to that on my blog page as well. And in addition to the Sun and Moon episode, I also have an episode up there where I sit down with PokePress to talk about ending themes. We talk about the Darkrai movie and its English and Japanese ending themes. 
I will be with you where the lost ones go, or I will be with you. Both of these songs are really quite good, and it's kind of a unique circumstance uh, since they were both in English for a change. So if you want to get the first look at what Stephen and I thought of them, our thoughts and observations, and which one we felt worked better for the movie, that episode is also on my Patreon at patreon.com slash professionaldork. And if you want more of those types of discussions, you can... We have an entire series uh, going back through all the Pokemon movies and discussing their ending themes and other Pokemon music topics. You can find that all on the feed there. Or you can find some of it on YouTube at PokePress, along with all the other stuff that Steven does in chronicling the Pokemon fandom's journey. And you can check that out on YouTube at PokePress or pokepress.blogspot.com. And again, all these links will be in the blog page for this episode, which I will give you the info for at the very end. Now let us get into that episode. It is Advanced Generation number 31, Just One of the Geysers. And this is it, the Doofer Gym Battle Rematch. And it's going to take place at a little island cove just off this inlet where Ash is training. The tide is in, so there is a question of how they're going to get there. No one brought a boat. But I guess the tide is just about to go out because the water just ripples and parts like Brawly is Moses. This is uh, a, a practice area for the Doofer Gym hidden away among the water. The perfect spot for a rematch. And this is how you do a secret base. Keanu, take note. Brawly's got everything he needs for training out here. I love it. A fridge full of food, too. That's what Team Rocket finds when they sneak in, and they agree with me. New secret base secured. I mean, it's got full-on watermelons in the fridge. I do have to question Team Rocket's mental state. They go on this weird extended dream sequence, which is not the weirdest thing they've ever done, but they do share it, and I don't know. But they've got a fridge full of food, and it is 100% real, so they're going to get their Iron Chef on and eat. And you know, the narrator asks a question, will Ash be able to defeat Brawly this time around? And I've never seen Ash take longer than a second try to finish the gym challenge. Like, wouldn't that be a trip to have a region where Ash gets stuck at one gym and, like, five or six times has to re-challenge to get through it? Like, what if that's the whole season? It's just him trying to get past this one gym, rematch after rematch, training session after training session, and his friends are like, there are other gyms in this region, Ash. And he's like, no, this is principal. I ain't no quitter. <laughs> But anyway, Brawly gets to his workout man cave and finds that someone's raiding his fridge. He's just like, how'd you get in? A very good question. Team Rocket sends out their Pokemon. Ash's first instinct is to charge right in and beat them down. And in his defense, that normally works. But Brawly advises against it. He says it's like charging into a wall of water. And there's a surfing reference I don't fully uh, appreciate, uh, but it sounds painful. But Brawly talks to Team Rocket a bit longer and urges them to leave of their own accord. And it sounds like just words until you see that Brawly's got something to back it up. And it doesn't involve charging in with his Pokemon, just 
letting nature take its course. The shape of the island uh, is such that some waves can cause water to shoot up through the cracks in the earth, like a geyser. And one such spot happens to be exactly where Team Rocket's standing. I don't know what Brawly would have done if they were standing a few feet to the left, but today it works. Team Rocket goes blasting off, not a Pokemon attack fired. And now that that's done, Brawly can give everyone the tour of his apparently not-so-secret hideout. He's got a full gym down here. Tons of exercise equipment for every type of Pokemon there is, apparently. And a nice stone field. No frills, no fuss, just battles. And avoiding geysers. Sometimes they shoot up through the battlefield, so you gotta use the whole field and be very aware of your surroundings. Ash is pumped. He's got a new strategy he wants to try. And that means, once again, Pikachu's gotta sit this one out. Poor thing. And Max is like, Ash? Strategy? And Brock tells him to just sit back and enjoy the show. So we begin memories of the previous match in everyone's minds. But Ash has grown. He's not so manic <laughs> as he was last time he faced Brawly. So Brawly leads with Machop, and Ash changes it up a bit. Last time he faced Brawly, he opened with Taylo. Solid choice, type advantage, but Ash has a new idea this time. Start with Trico. Trico's like, hey, Machop, remember my pound attack? <laughs> the peanut gallery is less confident. Maybe Ash hasn't learned anything. After all, maybe he's gotten worse. But Ash has got this under control. Trico dodges like a pro, and Ash tells it to imagine that these aren't rocks, but trees. Imagine it's the forest where it used to live. A place Trico feels comfortable, an atmosphere it knows. Trico jumps from rock to rock the same way it would jump from tree to tree. Machop's getting a little frustrated. After all, this match is going nowhere if both sides do nothing but dodge. Trico and Ash have kind of put Brawly in a place where he's got to be making all the moves. Machop doesn't have a distance attack, so... But Brock points out, Ash has forced Brawly into Ash's old strategy? So how is Brawly falling for it? Maybe there's a trick we should watch out for. And in fact, there is. Machop only looks like it's wasting energy on the losing end. In fact, Brawly's been waiting for the ebb and flow of the tide, and suddenly, water rushes up uh, through the cracks in the battlefield just as Machop powers up a cross chop. And so Machop is suddenly launching its attack at Trico with all the power of the ocean behind it. And it's just like, whoa, return. He recalls Trico just in time. The rocks are obliterated, and it's kind of disturbing. We'll see if Corfish can deal with this. Because, yeah, Corfish is Ash's pinch hitter for today. As Brock said, sit back and enjoy the show. Corfish is all about the rush in and attack, and at this point, that's what we gotta do. Ebbs and flows, my friends. We can't dodge all the time. And if Brawly's got geysers on his side, we maybe should get some of his team off the field. So, Corfish runs in with, like, some very powerful crab hammers and such, a few good strikes, and Machop faints. And now it's the real obstacle, Hariyama. And the tide shifts again. Hariyama comes in with arm thrust. Corfish defends with Harden. 
it's not ideal to just stand there and let a Hariyama beat Corfish, but Hariyama is also too heavy to keep that up forever. So if Hardin and Corfish can hold out just a bit longer, they'll wear Hariyama out and be able to go on the offensive, right? Right? <laughs> Wrong. Like Brawley wouldn't consider Ash and his training regime. He knows that boy's coming back. So gotta be lean, gotta be able to give as well as roll with them punches. Ash realizes he's fighting a losing battle and aborts, tells Corfish to jump in the water that's rolled in with the geysers. Hariyama jumps down onto a rock, but can't really follow Corfish. It's it's not really built for swimming. So it's standing on his rock and just kind of looking around, and Corfish is hidden. Safe. So, Ash, when he has a cool head, can think on his feet. He's showing May and Max, like, okay, Roxanne wasn't a fluke. He's actually good at this. So now Ash has got Corfish stealth bombing from the water with Crab Hammer, just jumping up and torpedoing Hariyama, who has no place to go. But Brawly isn't worried. After all, we've seen them surfing, like they can still keep their balance while dodging on a small surface. And also, they can arm thrust the water. And my Moses joke from the top of the episode, I should have saved it for this. Hariyama splits the body of water down the middle and manages to make the resulting pressure fire Corfish into the air like a mini geyser, hovering the lobster Pokemon right at fist punching level. Ash and Corfish are like, wow, you have been practicing. And from there, a seismic toss ends Corfish. So yeah. It's up to Trico. Can they do better? Last time Trico lost after just getting one attack in, so I certainly hope so. Trico's enthusiastic. And the plan is to dodge arm thrust and use the opening to pound Hariyama's legs. This is where the rolling wave strategy of Ashes comes in, I guess. The, there's, there's a rhythm to this, slow and steady. A lot of Hariyama's power comes from its legs. It's also where all the balance comes from. It's got a lot of really powerful attacks like arm thrust and seismic toss and things, but all of those are built on the power that comes through its legs. So if you compromise that, you've got yourself a lead. So Ash and Trico keep it up. They, they just keep going, keep going, dodging, dodging, attack the foot, dodging, dodging, attack the foot, until finally Hariyama steps in for vital throw and pain shoots up its leg. The attack fails. Hariyama's struggling. But Trico's getting pretty tired, too. And then, a rumble in the earth. A subway? An earthquake? No, we all know what this is, and it is fine with Ash. Both Hariyama and Trico step directly over small holes in the field, waiting, ready. Who feels the swell of the earth more? The geyser propels both Pokemon into the air. Hariyama sets up knockout attack, Trico sets up pound, the attacks connect, and we get a full-on samurai ending. Both Pokemon fall to the ground in a crouch, backs to each other perfectly still. The breeze rushes by, and then Hariyama falls. It's so anime, but that finish never gets old. 
So the the episode ends in front of a sunset like usual. Ash gets the knuckle badge. And I would just like to point out, he got that knuckle badge and one of his Pokemon, the one who took on the brunt of things, can only use Pound. Pound and like Tail Whip. Like, I'm not going to lie, Trico did a whole training montage to become a Pound expert, but that's still pretty impressive. Ash is complimented for for his growth over the past few episodes and, and his strategy. Most people here think Ash is pretty cool, like Shauna's impressed, May's impressed. Max, though, he's not sure how much of this was strategy, but isn't that what makes Ash Ash? <laughs> Creating strategies from the infinite void of nothing. So we finally passed off the Doofer gym. We can move on to the next and get off this island. Where do we go to next? I kind of forget. But I feel like there's some fun adventures on the way. So if you want to stay tuned for those new adventures or comment on the past adventures, you can visit my blog page, pcappypodcast.blogspot.com, where you can also find links to the Patreon and, and Poke Press and all their stuff. You can also shoot comments on Facebook and Twitter. And as always, you can subscribe to, to Peacappy Podcast on many of the podcast apps, such as iTunes, Zune, etc. But most of all, thank you for listening. This has been Peacappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. 